Hello everyone, welcome to Zoomies, your dog podcast. I'm Adriana Milne, your local dog trainer from Pet Pals Dog Training. And thank you for joining me this afternoon on Radio Karen. On our dog chat today, I wanted to mention to you a gorgeous company who runs dog tours called Gourmet Paw Prints. So they cater for small group tours, carefully designed, so you can bring your dog as part of a big adventure. They have uh, very carefully, they choose the dogs, and so they check that your dogs have been GSEX, vaccinated to the C5 level with annual canine cough vaccinations, and that they are friendly, and they love going and mixing with people and other friendly dogs. So these buzzers, they can actually sit about 45 people, and some of the tours that Gourmet Paw Prints caters for might be able to accommodate 10 dogs or 15 dogs. They've got the buzzers with dog seat belts, dog seat covers, and they wear uh, doggy seat belts, um, you know, like all the time during the journey for safety. They've got pet blankets and little treats, and your doggy can even get the window seat. Some actually like licking the windows. <laughs> Some of the destinations that they go to, the Yarra Valley for doggy winery tours, and these tours include a pooch massage and a movie over lunch with li- nice snackies for them, for the doggies. Other ones are called Pips and Paws, high tea, at the Yarra Valley as well. They've got picnic of uh, tables and sections for the dogs to be able to enjoy while the owners go inside, you know, for sometimes indoors, having a, a higher tea indoors, and there's staff who look after the dogs as well outside. They've got the Doggy Friday and uh, the wine tour, and they got the doggo gumboots and gin. This is a day of gin, food, and walks in the Pellerin Peninsula. Um, other one that they've got, the inner Melbourne city walks with your dogs by the Yarra River, and you board a little boat, you go with your dog on boat rides with the companions from the bus tour along the Botanical Garden Lake, and followed by uh, a little snacky. Okay, so go along the botanical gardens. There's another one that goes to the historic Williamstown walk. So you go by ferry as well. So be visiting Williamstown and going with your dogs on a group by ferry. There's the Sorrento doggy picnic, the Mornington Peninsula doggy winery tours, the Queenscliff Snifari, truffle hunts. That's a curious one for my spaniel. And the Denon Ranges doggy picnic adventure. So they have the host is Giesel, a Kelpie rescue, that is the, considered the chief paw officer of the company, Gourmet Paw Prints. And um, so that's just to add a few. And so if you become a VIP Paws member, the annual membership costs about $100 and monthly membership $10. And that entitles you to a gift voucher of $25 the Gourmet Paw Prints special priority tour bookings for the special events. So you know first than anyone else 
uh, when uh, something really incredible comes along. So don't forget, that's a, a very fun activity to do, especially when the weather improves, probably towards spring onwards, summer and autumn. And they use this gorgeous bus called Bella. Bella is the doggy bus. Okay, so it's worth mentioning this company for you. And uh, where do you find more information? And you can see details in particular. Uh, HTTPS to dots gourmetpawprints.com.au Okay, so on another note, I wanted to chat to you that we are going to, there is a, a period coming up that I'm not going to be able to do the show, but it's still a little while to come. So we're going to have a break of six weeks further down the line, but we're still going to uh, have scheduled two gorgeous interviews for you. So other breed, I wanted to talk today about the pet profile breed. Today I chose to talk about the German Shorthair Pointer. So the German Shorthair Pointer is a versatile all-purpose from the gun dog group. So the dog is one of the most energetic breeds. The German Shorthair Pointer is a hunting dog by nature. Is a protective, clever, eager and willing to please, and they are very fond of their human families. A happy-go-lucky temperament, they love nothing more than to engage in some type of constructive activity with their owners, such as a long jog, a hike, a hunt, a game of frisbee, frolicking on the beach in the sand, and a run on the beach. So this breed is not suited to a life in a kennel. The German Shorthair Pointer is faithful, spirited, and friendly. They like and mix well with children. Their energy levels vary slightly from puppy to puppy, even within the same litter. However, uh, the breed for working high-performance field competitions usually require more activity than the average shorthair. But Ours are still very high-energy dogs who need a lot of daily exercise, so they are much best suited for an active family. When they lack in exercise, they can become highly strung and frustrated. Okay, So they are very suited for a very calm, confident, and consistent person that can provide them with good boundaries. Socialize your German short and pointer very well. Some of the... Health problems that they might suffer later in life. So normally a healthy breed, but some are prone to epilepsy, hip dysplasia, hermaphrodism, and lymphedema. Some minor concerns are CHD, entropion, gastric torsion, VWD, penis, OCD, prone to small cell tumors. The living conditions... This breed is not recommended for apartment life and does best with a large yard and an active athletic family. They may be able to jump a high fence that in um, anything lower than six feet they can clear. If under exercise, upboard GSPs can be great escape artists. Exercise. Exercise is of paramount importance for these tireless energetic animals. They are more than a match for even the most active family, and they should not be taken on as family pets if they are not guaranteed plenty of vigorous exercise, like I talked before. Okay, so life expectancy. 
about 12 to 15 years. And the origin of the breed? While not proven, some think that the German Shorthair Pointer is a descendant of all types of German hunting, scent hounds. Trail and track dogs, such as the old Spanish Pointer, German Bird Dog, Hounds of St. Hubert, the Bloodhound types, and the Foxhound. Later, the English Pointer was crossed in to add speed and endurance. The German hunters were after a now-purpose utility dog that not only had a good nose, but could point, track, and was an excellent retriever. A gun dog in both field and water for both feather and fur. They also wanted a dog that was an excellent weekend hunter, but made a good family companion and watchdog. So the German short pointer was recognized by the American Kennel Club in 1930. The German short pointer contributed for the development of the German wire-haired pointer. The German short-haired pointer talents are show dog, obedience, gun dog, retrieving, tracking trials, field trials, hunting tests. Okay, so agility. They are great in agility. I have a companion a colleague at the Pet Professional Guild who I work as committee member, and she does a lot of agility with her dogs, and they excel at it. So now we're going to go for our first short break, and now be back with you in a tick. You're listening to Zoomies on Radio Karen. <sighs> Hi, I'm Josie from Space Folk, and when I want to stay groovy, I listen to Radio Karam. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Zoomies. Your doggy podcast on Radio Karen. I'm Adriana Milne. So um, another topic I wanted to cover with you is in regards dogs mixing with horses. I have been, as much I've been since childhood, a dog person, raised from a, a dog family. I have been a horse person as well. So in my life in Australia... I have owned horses, and I kept them in adjustments. At the time, I didn't have a dog with me. I didn't own a dog because I actually uh, ended up later owning two horses. So I thought that was plenty for me. <laughs> but as I was adjusting horses in sometimes nearby properties, some further out, I could notice and experience some of the adjustment people who would come to the property to ride horses and bring their dogs along. It's all good as long as the dogs get along well with horses, are polite around them, and don't chase them, okay? So other experiences were not that good, simply because if you bring one or two puppies on a adjustment property where a lot of horses are, some on communal paddocks, some others in private paddocks, these puppies 
definitely need to be on a leash. If you bring, for example, a herding breed and leave the puppy loose, even if you're out the borderlines of the property might be fenced and safe so they can't expect and get to the cars to the road, don't forget you've got private paddocks with different horses. And if these young dogs start, you know, just chasing for fun a horse, the things can go pear-shaped in a big, big way. So my recommendations on situations like that, if you just got a young puppy and you wanted to introduce your puppy to a, your horse or to the property horses, please bring your puppy on a leash, okay? would be ideal situation if you could have a second person, if you have a partner, you could come with your partner, and one, just gently introduce the puppy to your horse. Because every time you go... To prepare a horse to ride, there's so much to do. <laughs> if it's winter, you're going to have the rugs, so you're going to have to remove the rugs to brush. It's, you know, it's, um, give a little titbit, a little carrot, and then slowly get the horse ready. Uh, sometimes you might want or to put on a round yard to, for the horse to warm up, loosen its back, and sometimes you might lunge. And then by the time you saddle, you know, and prepare the horse with all the gear, it does take a while. So if you got a loose dog there or you're gonna, you don't want to tether your dog, is going to start barking and could spook the horse, your and another horse is nearby. So ideal if you have a friend or your partner coming along, one looks after the dog and introduce gently to the horse with quite a bit of space to start with. And I recommend bring, please, your treat pouch, high value rewards for your dog, trying to reward calm behavior. You don't want your young puppy to start getting too excited and start barking at the horse. So, and the other person concentrates on the horse. So you want good positive associations for both because for your horse as well could be the first time he sees a dog. So, so and, uh, if um, the other person, then the dogs do not, should be off leash on an adjustment. Because uh, it can, unless extremely well trained, because the herding breeds, as I said, they can really chase the horses and the horses in exchange can just get spooked, kick them, hurt the dog and even kill a dog. When I was looking for adjustment for my horse once in Keysborough, I uh, remember uh, some of the properties who I visit and one, they used to have a blue healer. And unfortunately, he, the gentleman told me that the blue healer actually got kicked by one of the horses. They were gisted and unfortunately died. So a kick of a horse can be incredibly powerful. And it, why it happened? Because that dog used to chase the horse legs and never been trained properly, you know, to accept horses and never, uh, the approach was never the correct one from the start. So all the point, um, if a dog really spooks and gets scared by a dog barking, you know, and being chased by a dog, the horse can actually run into a fence, get seriously hurt, and, you know, the damage can cause on a horse. It hurts its leg in these situations that, you you know, can be even fatal. So some adjustments have very expensive horses and stay in the private paddocks, and they might have the communal paddocks where few stay together. Some of these horses can actually be worth 25000 Australian dollars. Uh, you know, I know because I have adjusted horses in some of the properties and some horses are worth a lot of money. So you wouldn't want to take the risk because if something goes wrong, it's your responsibility, you know, to <laughs> try to sort it out solution with the owner. Um, so other thing that I wanted to mention is on trial rides. 
So if you want a horse and you like to bring your dog with you on a trial ride, beside you riding your horse, you will have to introduce your dog to your horse very slowly. Start the work like I said above and gradually build it from there. The dogs that come along on trial rides and bark a lot, run excitedly, changing directions often, can really scare a horse. And what's really, really dangerous for both rider and horse, or they can, the dog can even get over, run over by a horse that's galloping or moving tr- fast trot. So only calm, well-trained dogs should come along. I remember very well when I was, um, I decided a period of time to retire my thoroughbred in Cape Shank. There was a gorgeous property in Cape Shank. I said, that's perfect horse haven for James. And uh, yeah, it was going out good. And then I was, he was an ex chaser and I wanted to do the local trial rides. Ace Hyde Ranch was just next door. And uh, one of the times, so I had a very calm lady, and she had a thunderbred, retired horse from the trots, and she had trained the horse well before in coming the trial ride. So the, the property was so gorgeous, it had rolling hills and straight into Ganamata Beach. And I thought, well, let's see if James can just tag along with this fella here, you know. And so things were going very well. Apart from one Saturday morning, we decided to go on a group of four on the trial ride, and... James had never been ridden beside a dog before. So this dog was off leash, barking a lot. And I remember that James got so, so like, he was nervous and excited at the same time. And he started doing some maneuvers that he never did with me in my our whole life because he uh, trained him to be a jumper. He was a natural steeplechase from the retired racing days, but I definitely did show jumping with him. And James was so excited, he would just trot and do piaf on the spot. And I never did dressage with him, like just the basic groundwork for the jumps. And it was incredible, like he was very excited, so didn't do well. He did not do well with that presence of that dog, because he wasn't used to it. And he became dangerous, so I have just to come back and just ride him on the property, forget about the trial ride on that particular day. wasn't didn't look safe at all. So it is advisable to have a calm and experienced horse around dogs that could come along when your horse is still learning and getting used to the presence of a dog in the trial ride with him. So this schoolmaster horse can help boost the confidence of your horse. And, you know, like it, it really helps having a relaxed horse. So if your horse thinks, ah, well, this, I'm, I'm just insecure about this. I don't know. I'm not used to this environment and this, the presence of this other animal. I don't know what it is. And the other calm horse can help, can just help guiding him and say, ah, you're not nervous, so I shouldn't be as well. So it seems the dog is okay. Um, what happened? An adjustment owner who owns dogs. I had a situation that I had um, where my last horse lived until he got buried on the property after he died. They decided to get to... Uh, pointers at the same time so they had private paddocks and the adjusters or you know had horses and these horses not our used to dogs so he decided to put uh, a type of mesh but was a mesh that wasn't adjoining the paddock where the horse was kept so it was an out outdoors me- out- outside mesh so there's no danger that the do- the horse could paw at the mesh and get the, the hoof or the leg caught so that made a borderline on the whole property and the area the easy access for the dogs was best safe so it was really dog safe and the horses 
would not have suddenly a dog sneaking under the fence and reaching them and stop playing when nobody was around. So you really need to proper uh, have the fencing needs and to be built along the paddock, safe for dogs and for the horses, that they can't risk any injury. So many adjuster horses, as I said, may be very inexperienced with dogs. So it has to be safe for all involved in this matter. So, as I said, um, I think this, it is something that, like, you got different people who use properties, like an adjuster, they pay a um, weekly fee, and it, it can have different opinions. I remember a lady that came with the two blue healers and have the two puppies, blue healers lose, was a disaster because they start chasing out the horses around the place, and, like, they were not trained to come on recall at all, so... We, the other gistas, have to mention to the property owner, please ask the lady ought to have the, the dog on a like, long lead, 2.5 meter long lead, and maybe bring one at a time and introduce them slowly. Because uh, otherwise, you know, the, you're actually setting those young pups for failure, yeah, and the horses uh, for spook, what you don't want. So I'm going to have um, another break. In a second, and you're listening to Zoomies on Radio Karen. Hi, this is Matt Joe Gow, and you're listening to Radio Karen, which is local community internet radio. And uh, we were having a chat about community radio earlier and how important it is to Melbourne, how important it is to the scene here, the music scene, but also the wider community. So check out Radio Karen, tune in. Hi everyone, you're listening to Zoomies on Radio Karen, and I'm Adriana Mion. I wanted to talk about some training tips for you today, okay? Uh, bringing a bit of learning theory to dog training. So, I wanted to talk behaviors in itself when you're training a dog and in regards to the behaviors, dog behaviors. So behavior actually increases in duration, frequency, and intensity when it is rewarded. That's why when the dog does what you want, we try to mark the precise moment, what you call the verbal bridge, and you reward with a high-value food. So if the animal finds no reinforcing value in the behavior, that behavior will diminish. If you don't reward within a few seconds of the behavior occurring, you're probably going to reward behavior other than the one you wanted. So we call bridge. You know, what is a bridge? The bridge is a conditional reinforcer. It marks the precise moment the behavior occurs and is the promise to the animal that a reward's on the way, coming soon. A signal which tells the animal it has performed the correct response. If a bridge is not continually paired with a reinforcer, example, a foot treat, it will lose its reinforcing value and effectiveness. Care should be taken when using the bridge, that the word is said in a short, sharp, and clear tone. So sometimes when I go for training sessions, a lot of owners tend to use um, normally around the house in different occasions and quite often, like good girl, good boy, when the dog does the behavior they want. But we're just trying to create a verbal bridge that's new, that's unique, and only used for training purposes, such as some ones that I would suggest, but you're always open for discussion and all your, your preference choices, like yes, yip, yay, bingo, short and sharp, 
pinpoints that precise moment the animal did the behavior. Okay? You can use a clicker. You know, a clicker will demonstrate um, normally a doing class. Um, when I run puppy classes, we always uh, give on the puppy pack as they start the course a clicker. So we would condition the clicker and then we start showing how to use the clicker to get the response we wanted. And you've got whistle as well. Have you ever been to SeaWorld or to the dolphin shows in the USA? So with the dolphins and the seals at SeaWorld shows. So the, the trainer of those species, the mammal species, they use their hand signal. It's like the dolphin jumps in the air. They whistle, marks the precise moment. The trainer got the response they wanted and the fish is thrown as the reward for the dolphin or the seal. So animal trainers use operant conditioning for polar bears, for seals, dolphins, and at the zoos. So this is a little segment of training tips for you, okay? So today we will be having a bit shorter program, and um, I want to say I'm enjoying very much doing the Zoomies podcast, and we have uh, really contacting some interesting people to get the interviews going. And uh, so we got two lined up. I'm not going to say who they are. They are Melbourneian. <laughs> and so other thing too is I do have coming up, before I finished for today, a webinar that is going to be via the Pet Professional Guild Australia. So I have the pleasure to be presenting on the Thursday, the 27th of July. So this month coming up at 7 p.m. The webinar and the topic is going to be using pet services such as dog walking, pet sitting, and dog daycare. And uh, so the, the tips is because simply I, prior to being a dog trainer, I have run a dog walking, pet sitting, and I have uh, taken my dog to doggy daycare, has run classes at doggy daycares, uh, puppy school and pet classes. And... Um, I do have quite a few tips to give because you really need to choose wisely and carefully. Uh, not anyone will do. So I have a lot to share because it's been right on my alley for quite a few years, you know, like I have been to probably hundreds of homes, looking after pets, taking dogs out, and everything went smoothly. Never had really bad scenarios because I was very careful. So I think, how do you book if you're interested in joining this webinar? Um, you will go to the Pet Professional Guild website, that is www.ppgaustralia.net.au, and there you go on the events, education, and free webinars, and then you see the link, how to register, okay? And within the, uh, the webinars, there's a large choice of other topics as well. And keep in mind that to be part of the Pet Professional Guild, you are, as a pet owner, you're free to join. And so there are always a lot of education components there and we really strive to keep offering the best possible knowledgeable advice and um, for you all out there, our industries, including vet industry, the dog trainers, you know. Then we get um, got a Facebook page that's a public Facebook page as well, Pet Professional Guild Australia. So I'm going to wrap up for today. And uh, it was a pleasure to have you all. And I think the cold coming now, we need to hug up our dogs really well because this week was so, so cold. So, so cold. So that breeze, you know, is 
tongue the sole. <laughs> so they definitely need on the very wet and cold days have the jumpers, the weatherproof gear. You know, please dry them when they come before inside the house when they return. Otherwise, the wet paws and dirt all over the carpets and surfaces. Okay, so keep them toasty, warm, and maybe even a PJ. There's a dog that I visit once a week. I love seeing him on a little PJ. <laughs> He's so so cute, this little Murphy. So okay, so see you next week. Thank you so much. Bye. <laughs>